I want to talk with you a bit about a deep and abiding concern I carry in me for our church. And the issue that I carry with me is of absolutely crux importance for us if we as a community called Journey Church are going to be the church that God has asked and called and invited us to be. Now my concern is rooted in an underlying conviction that in large part, far, far too many of us sitting here today, far, far too many of us who are within the hearing of my voice, far, far too many of us who call ourselves part of the church have a fundamental misunderstanding about the very nature and purpose and reality of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, there are a whole bunch of things that tip me off to this collective misunderstanding of the nature of the church, all the way down to the way we talk about church. Because see, even our language, even the way we talk about church betrays our misunderstanding. We talk, don't we, about going to church, right? And we talk about going to church the same way we talk about going to the store, going to the mall, or going to the game. And that misunderstanding is rooted in a way of thinking about the church as just some place where we come and sit and gather for a period of time and then go out the doors of that place, leaving it behind. But that is not at all the nature of the church of Jesus Christ, is it? The church of Jesus Christ instead is a reality. It is a mission. It is a purpose that we are, as a part of the church, to be living out every single day of our lives, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not just an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it is, on a weekend. And the earliest followers of Jesus Christ, they never, ever talked about just going to church. Never. Instead, they thought and talked and such about being the church, didn't they? It wasn't just going. They talked about being the church. And nowhere is that incredibly important distinction more apparent than in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. If you've got a Bible, flip there, if you would. You can follow along on the screens as well. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Whoa. Right? That's a whoa kind of day. All the believers, including those 3,000 who stepped across the line of faith in Jesus Christ, devoted, weighty word, devoted, gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And look what happened. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. A little bit of context here. The apostle Peter, he's one of Jesus' closest friends. He's one of Jesus' closest followers. You may know him as Saint Peter, perhaps. He preaches to a very large crowd on what is called the day of Pentecost. That's the day that the Holy Spirit showed up and filled Jesus' followers. If you want to read about that a little uh, earlier on in Acts chapter 2, it was an amazing deal. Funky stuff happened that day. All kinds of crazy stuff happened. 
the day of Pentecost. Peter preaches. Now this, just for a little historical context, this is just 50 days after Passover, which were the Jewish high holy days on which Jesus had been crucified, dead, and raised from the dead. And on the day of Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit shows up and imbues, fills the Christ followers, 3,000 people gave their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. 3,000 people on that day realized that Jesus is who he said he was, recognized their need of a savior, realized their tutter, uh, utter, tutter, that's not a word, what in the world? I can talk. Utter and complete necessity for a savior and stepped across the line of faith in Jesus Christ on that day. Amazing. 3,000 people gave their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ in one day, one service. They were baptized and they were added to the church. It's staggering, really. Last weekend, we had about four gatherings around here. Not about four. We had four gatherings around here. And all told, in those four gatherings, about 37 people let us know that they stepped across the line of faith in Jesus Christ. 37. That, for us, is astounding. Our team around here was, yeah, exactly. We praise God. We praise God. But imagine 3,000 in one day. But the most important realization for us, and this is getting to my concern about our misunderstanding about the church, our most important realization about those 3,000 folks who raised their hand or stepped forward or however they did it on that day and were baptized and who were added to the church was not anywhere near the end of the story for those newfound Christ followers, was it? Not anywhere near. It was just the beginning, actually. Their stepping across the line of faith in Jesus Christ was just the beginning of an entirely different kind of life, an entirely different kind of existence than the one that they had been accustomed to living before they were Jesus lovers, before they were Jesus followers. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, details for us just what their life consisted of in Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves, gave themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Luke says all of that to say that everyone who had just stepped across the line of faith in Jesus Christ, everyone who had been a Jesus follower previously, they never ever just went to church. Never just went to church. Instead, they lived out of an entirely different kind of experience than the one that they had been accustomed to before they called Jesus boss, savior, lord, friend, etc. Church was just not some kind of weekly snack gathering designed to boost their spiritual energy, but was instead something they lived, something they were, something they were becoming 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that kind of behavior is not reserved just for the first century church of Jesus Christ. That kind of behavior means the very same thing for us today as it did for them a couple of thousand years ago. Don't just go to church. Stop just going to church. As a matter of fact, remove it from your vocabulary if you could. Just stop saying, I'm going to church, and instead talk about being the church and do it. Be the church. And if I ask you this question, what do you think God is up to these days? 
or maybe another way to say it would be, what do you think Jesus Christ's job description was from the time that he ascended after his resurrection until the time that he returns to take us home to be with him? What's his job description in between that season of time? How would you answer that? If I could guess what some of you would say, I guess some of you would say, I don't know what his job description is, actually. And if you said that, I'd say, well, that's a fair answer. Maybe some of you, however, maybe more of you would say, I know exactly what Jesus Christ is up to right now. Right now, he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he is keeping track of the people who step outside the lines so that when they do, he can spank them. (laughs) And if you said that, I'd say, yep, I could see how you would think that. But in the interest of sparing us all the suspense, could I just tell you what Jesus is up to? Can I just share with you what he's been about from the time he rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father until the time he comes back to earth? He's up to the establishment and the development of Acts 2 kinds of churches, Acts 2 kinds of communities. That's what he's about. That is what he is about. And Acts 2 kinds of churches, Acts 2 kinds of communities, they are not just places where people show up, grab a little spiritual snack once a week, and then go out the door. Instead, they are a way, Acts 2 churches, Acts 2 communities, are a way of ordering our entire lives around the values and around the priorities of Jesus Christ himself, his stuff. And these Acts 2 churches and communities that God is in the business of giving birth to, They're marked by some remarkable characteristics. They're marked by people who are completely and totally responsive to him. What he says, they do. They don't push back. They don't ask questions. They say, all right, God, you said it. I'm in. They're also marked by people who are thoroughly and completely and totally loving one to another. Acts 2 kinds of churches, communities, are and will be totally different from every other group, every other organization, every other organization in society. They're supernatural communities after all. The awesomeness of God is commonplace. God's presence, God's activity, it's almost palpable. You can almost feel it. Lives are regularly and completely and totally changed by God. Hearts melt. Differences fade away. Love reigns. Needs are met. The unwelcome are welcome. Racial lines are blurred and actually disappear. And rich and poor come together in the name of Jesus Christ. And while God is certainly in the business of establishing just those sorts of Acts 2 communities, in order to bring those kinds of communities, in order to bring those kinds of churches about, he's asking and inviting and calling and challenging us, you, me, to be Acts 2 kinds of people. People who are, for example, devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to fellowship, devoted to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and devoted to prayer. And we have this tendency, don't we, to get all like romantic about the early church of Jesus Christ, right? What it was like in the early days of following Jesus. Oh, it would have been so nice. Life would have been so much more simple and you could have just focused. Of course, they had all this time to be devoted to all these things if they knew my life. It was not easier to live back then. They didn't even have microwave ovens for crying out loud. Life was hard. 
in these days. Much harder than it is today. And Acts 2 talks about what life was like in the first church, in the first century community of Christ followers. But the reality, that reality is not just confined to them. This, folks, can be our reality. It should, as a matter of fact, be our reality. But being and becoming that kind of people, that kind of community, that kind of church requires that we think differently, that we alter who and what we're actually devoted to. Some some things have to change for us. God isn't just going to do it and we're just going to ride along. We have a part to play. Being that kind of church, being that kind of community requires our devotion, first of all, to teaching and learning, doesn't it? In Acts 2, churches and communities, teachers have the spiritual gift of communication and the congregation has an earnest desire to listen to what God is saying and seek to obey him in that. To hear from God through leaders, teachers, speakers, and then go do what God says to do. And when those two dynamics collide, the spiritual gift of communication and an earnest desire to listen to what God is saying and seek to obey him, when those two dynamics collide, that is the recipe for spiritual growth and life change. That's it. A lot of times, we as Christians, we want to put spiritual growth and life change all on a speaker, don't we? All on a teacher, all on a pastor, all on a Bible study leader, all on a counselor. And we say things like, I'm not growing spiritually because you're not teaching this way and preaching this way and exegeting this way. Counseling that way, whatever it is. And we try to put all the freight on the communicator, the teacher, the leader, the pastor, or whatever. But get this, a certain kind of teaching, a certain kind of sermon, a certain kind of preaching is not the recipe for spiritual growth. It is not. Communicators communicating what God is saying through his word to people who have an earnest desire to listen to what God is saying and then obey him and then do what he is saying, that's the recipe for spiritual growth. That is the recipe for spiritual growth. And when that recipe is mixed up in a community of Christ followers within the church, that's when hearts explode with new understandings. That's where spiritual decisions and discoveries will be made. Apologies will be sought. Forgiveness granted. New commitments, new stakes in the ground will be fleshed out day in and day out. Teaching and learning, they're fundamental to us becoming an Acts 2 kind of church, an Acts 2 kind of community. Becoming an Acts 2 kind of church and community requires our devotion to fellowship that is real, vulnerable, deep, life on life. How many of us, no show of hands, don't voice this aloud, but how many of us at some point in our past have been a part of a church community where fellowship consisted of, for example, men asking men questions like, how's business, Jake? Jake says, can't complain. And, and that passes for fellowship. And then they turn from each other and say, nice fellowshipping with you. See you later. And that passes for fellowship. Meanwhile, the women, they're off in another corner asking each other, what are you baking this week, Martha? And they say things like, your girls had such cute dresses on this morning. Make those yourself. And that passes for fellowship. And then we turn our backs to each other. We say, nice fellowshipping with you. And lots and lots of us grew up in that kind of a view of the word fellowship. 
we'd wave at each other after that and then we'd disappear for a week and then we'd all show back up the next week at the church building and we'd do the same drill all over again. But in Acts 2 churches, in Acts 2 communities, that's not even close to what fellowship is. In Acts 2 churches, Acts 2 communities, fellowship means that people take off their masks. They say, here's what's going on in my world. Here's what I am scared to death about. Here's what God's asking me to do, but I don't think I have the guts to actually do it. Here's what people think I am because it's the image I'm projecting, but I got to tell someone that in here, that is not the reality. Here is where I am absolutely crushed, overwhelmed, blown over. Fellowship is asking people with whom you share very close community to walk with you through the good, through the bad, and through the ugly. It doesn't matter how any of it turns out, frankly. You might win the day, you might lose the day, but it doesn't matter because you're in it with God, you're in it with each other. That's Acts 2 kind of fellowship. And that's actually the kind of relationship that we were made to be in together. That's what our hearts and souls yearn for at their depths, real, vulnerable, heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul, deep, searching, loving, grace-giving, life-giving, one to another. Acts 2 goes on to talk about some of the other things that matter deeply too and which those kinds of churches and kinds of communities are devoted to. Communion is another one of them. The Lord's Supper, you might know it as the Eucharist even. And it should actually, when we think about this, it should actually leave us with an emptiness and a sadness in our hearts when we miss opportunities to take communion. Jesus says, look, whenever communion is offered, think on me. Whenever communion is offered, remember me. Remember the sacrifice I made on your behalf. And Acts 2 churches and Acts 2 communities, they're devoted to not forgetting about their relationship with the one who matters most to them, the one who gave it all for them. The first church, they celebrated the Lord's Supper and communion regularly. We're gonna do it here next week, as a matter of fact. The Acts 2 church and community, they were also devoted to prayer, weren't they? Now, I gotta be honest with you. I, I like prayer. I pray, just so you know. I have glimpses of, I think, little windows into what it is to pray without ceasing, I think, to live in a state of constant communication with God through prayer and through listening to him. But I gotta be honest with you. I'm not devoted to prayer the way that the Acts 2 church and the Acts 2 community was how many of us would say the exact same thing i'm not devoted to prayer like they were but i want to be i really want to be the acts 2 church and the acts 2 community they also took very seriously the charge from jesus christ himself to give generously of their financial resources verses 44 and 45 luke tells us how people who were a part of that community this is crazy they sold stuff they had so that they could give the proceeds away. And that's just how it goes, isn't it? When the Spirit of God enters a person's life in a radical way, almost without exception, that kind of sacrificial giving is the result. Why? Because all of a sudden, you realize that money and possessions are not at all what define you, not even close. You want to respond to those who are in need. You see a need, you meet a need. You want to participate in the resourcing of God's work in and through his local church. And you can go on and on about all sorts of other things just from Acts chapter 2 that defined the first church, the first community of Christ followers. And if you read that and if I talked about all those things, it would land in just the same place that the rest of them that we've been talking about land, and it's here. 
that the earliest followers and lovers of Jesus Christ, they didn't just go to church. They didn't just check that box off that week's to-do list and shuffle on home, not a chance. They were the church. They lived what it meant to be the church. They did these things and were devoted to these things each and every day. It was part of their everyday lives. In short, they really decided, they made a decision that if they ever hoped to be the redemptive community that God had ordained and invited and called and challenged them to be, that they were going to have to spend the rest of their lives on mission, fully devoted to carrying out the charge that Jesus Christ had given them. Not just go to church. Now, there are some who will hear what I'm saying here today, that it's not just about going to church, and they'll say, aha, I've been looking for this my whole Christian experience, a door out of the church. I don't really need the organized church. I can just do this on my own. I can just live all of this out on my own. But get this, that is not at all the case. Please hear me clearly. That is not at all the case. The Acts 2 church, they moved beyond just going to church, absolutely but they still met regularly like this in large gatherings as a big group, Acts 2.46. You can read it yourself in black and white. As a matter of fact, they met together much like this at the temple every single day. Cool. Absolutely cool. And an amazing thing happened in the Acts 2 church. What do you know? It grew, didn't it? It flourished. It prospered. And it grew, first of all, because it was the Lord who was working, right? This was the work of God. He was the prime mover of all of that spiritual activity. And B, it grew because the church had favor with all of the people. The people who met the Lord and became part of the first church, they didn't just sever all relationships with people who weren't Christ followers the moment they met the Lord, not a chance. They were still very much a part of rubbing shoulders with all the people in their community, far from God, near to God. It didn't matter. And here's what happened for the Acts 2 church, the Acts 2 community. People all around them looked on to that church, to that community, and they said, I'm not necessarily down at this moment with everything that they think and everything they believe, but I really like what those people, that community is about. That community, it has real integrity. They're here for my benefit. They care about me. They're not just looking out for themselves. They're people who aren't just going to church. They're actually being the church. And you want to know what else happens when we move beyond just going to church and we actually work at becoming the church? Spiritually wayward people are attracted to that kind of community. They feel very at home. They feel very welcome in those circles. Spiritual foul-ups, people who got kicked out of other church, people who drifted and fade away, people who may have thumbed their nose at God decades ago, all of those and so many more who feel marginalized, all of a sudden feel magnetized toward a community that is actually functioning on mission, like the Acts 2 church, like the Acts 2 community was. That kind of people, that kind of community are very attractive to them because they think, aha, maybe in that kind of grace-giving environment, I can rebuild my faith. Or I can put the pieces of this whole Christianity 
deal together very slowly. I can ask hard questions about faith in a safe environment. I can receive safe answers from safe people. And when it fits, they say, then I can step across the line of faith in Jesus Christ and I can give my life to living the exact same way. The message for us today is very clear, Journey. Stop just going to church. Please stop going to church and please become the church that Jesus Christ intended. And seeing as Jesus Christ said, look, I'm basically going to be about doing one thing between my ascension and my return, and that is establishing and building my church. That's his church. And since it's not just about going to church, but it is instead about being the church, I have a very blunt and direct question to ask all of you here today. Is your life ordered around the same devotion we see of the Acts 2 church, of the Acts 2 community? That level of devotion, that kind of devotion, that kind of giving yourself to the establishment, the development, the participation, the prayer for, the support of the church that we are attempting not just to attend, not just to gather in, but the church we're attempting to be. Is it? Is it? Have you ordered your life around the same devotion that we see in Acts 2 of those very first Jesus followers? Until I was about 16 years old, I had one and only one career path and heart in mind. I was going to become a commercial airline captain flying the biggest planes across the biggest oceans. Scary thought, I know. But at the age of 16, God brought me to a very defining moment in my very short life, at which point I suddenly realized that the most worthy investment of my life was not to fly big planes full of people, really they're just giant greyhound buses in the sky, right, across oceans, but was instead to give myself and my life to the same kind of devotion we read about in Acts chapter 2. Not just going to church, but actually becoming the church, being the church, living the church. And when I put those two choices on the scales, there was absolutely no comparison between the options. And how many of us sitting right here today have had those exact same kinds of experiences Those late night conversations with God, you know the kind, where you're left asking yourself, crying out to God, what in the world am I doing with my life? What in the world is it really ordered around? Who and what is receiving my first and best allegiances these days? What is making my heart beat fast? Are you right now giving your life to a lesser dream than the Acts 2 church, the Acts 2 community? Are you? Now, I'm not suggesting that all of us quit our jobs, set sail for the mission field, or full-time professional Christian service. Or maybe we should. (laughs) I'm merely asking the question, are there large numbers of us here today whom God is challenging to reorder the affections of our hearts around the things that matter most to God. Is that what he's asking of you today? To reorder the affections of our hearts around the things that matter most to God. Things that will outlast the grave. Things that actually have the potential to change the world. Things that are truly worthy of the investment of your one and only life. You get one shot. We all get one shot at this deal. Are you making the most of it? 
stuff that will really fulfill you to the core of your being. Are you? Lots and lots and lots of us will spend our lives living in the shadows of lesser dreams. But today God's calling and God's inviting all of us to step out of those shadows. He's calling and inviting and challenging all of us out of lesser dreams. And he's challenging you to give and he's challenging you to reorder your life, reorder your first love around the things that matter most to him. Being the church for whom he sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to establish and to develop and to become. I don't care how old you are. It is never too late to reorder your life to reorder your first love around that which matters most. It's certainly not too late to do it when you're young. To give yourself to what matters most, being the church, not just going to church. Take your stuff and set it aside if you would, and I just invite you to move into a posture of prayer and listening to God. Just close your eyes and get quiet with him if you would. Interact with him around all of this. God, would you forgive us, please? Forgive us for giving ourselves to things less than your best. Forgive us, please, for forgetting the very reason that we're here, which is to know you and to make you known. Which is what the Acts 2 church, which is what the Acts 2 community that kind of community, that's what that's all about, to know you and make you known. To make Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible. God, I pray that that would be our singular focus, that everything else in our lives would be peripheral. we would be a community who isn't just about going to church but who is about being the church pure spotless holy unblemished the bride of Jesus Christ the one for whom you're coming back to take us home to live with you in all for all eternity. And God, we think about that day and we think about it with excitement and anticipation and at the same time, God, when we're honest, there's sadness about that day as well because we know people, friends, family, classmates, roommates, coworkers, who with 
today was that day, if today was the day you came back, they would spend forever apart from you and that crushes us. And we do not want that to be anyone's reality, which is why we think about, which is why we talk about, which is why we get about this, God. Living and being your church. Because it's all about people knowing you, living in relationship with you. Make us that kind of people inside of whom that passion burns. If it takes you keeping us awake at night because of the plight of our friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and such, do it, God. Please. Break our hearts for the lost. And then set us on a mission of becoming the church that does something about it. Please, God. <laughs>